0: So, as we talk tonight about Jesus and what his occupation was, him being a carpenter, someone would ask, why did Jesus even become a carpenter? And why does the Bible even mention that? And actually, to prove this point, I want to say that there is a theological reason that Jesus becomes a carpenter, and it's it's one word. It's a theological reason called identification. It's identification. Now, to, to show you and explain to us tonight what identification is, I want to explain to you the opposite of that and give you an illusion of identification. The illusion, again, it's only an illusion. The illusion of identification is when a politician... Oh, i thin ass tonight. I'm on thin ass tonight. When a politician puts on his suit and goes to corporate headquarters to the banks, and he walks up to the bankers and says, my father was a banker. And because my father was a banker, I can identify with you. I know, I know what you're going through. I, I, I support you, and I'm here for you. He then takes his suit off and puts on a white coat with a hard hat and goggles and goes into the factories. And he talks to the bigwigs there in the factories and says, My father's uncle was a factory worker and because of that I can identify with what you're going through. I know what you're going through. I know your struggle. I'm here for you and I support you. He takes that off, and he puts on his overalls and his cowboy hat, and he goes out to the farm and talks to the farmers and says, My father's uncle's sister's friend owned a farm, and because of that, I can identify. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? That's, po- that's political talk right there, yeah. They tell you what you want to hear. Isn't that right? <laughs> Y'all going to be tough tonight, huh? Y'all not going to laugh at my jokes. So this political strategy is the illusion of identification. And in reality, it's not identification, it's an illusion. Because they can't truly identify with any one of those scenarios. Here's why I'm telling you this tonight, because our Lord and Savior... The one that our soul pants for, like the deer pants for the water brook. The one that we wake up every morning to talk to. The one that we talk to before we go to sleep. I came to tell you tonight that our Lord and Savior doesn't have to say my father, my father's uncle, or my father's sister's friend. I'm telling you that Jesus can identify with you and I. Oh, y'all better help me tonight. Jesus did not come to pose for 15 minutes for the Jerusalem Post and tell you from a distance that I know what you're going through. I'm here to support you. I can identify with you. No, I came to tell you tonight that when Jesus came into this world, he came in as an infant. Y'all going to help me preach tonight? I'm talking about when Jesus was born into this world, he pooped his diapers. (laughs) Think about it. He cried at night. He grew up to a young toddler that always asked, Why? 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 Because I said, Why? He was a teenager. He probably dealt with the zit issue that most of us had to deal with at age 15. He became a young man. He had to go out and get a job. Come on, somebody help me right there. He had to go out and work. Are y'all awake tonight? He woke up early. He got there on time. He stayed late when work required it. Y'all ain't helping nobody. Watch this. When he entered ministry at the age of 30, he still had a job. (laughs) He was gossiped about. They talked about him. He was rejected by people, and yes, he was rejected by the church. He was crucified, and he experienced death. Can I tell you tonight... Um, why Jesus can identify with us because he understands us and it's because he became like us let me show you some scripture Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 17 there watch this I love this this is some of the most powerful scriptures you'll ever read therefore in all things Look at your neighbor and say, that's everything. Everything. In all things, he had to be made like his brethren. Why? That he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. To make propitiation, I could preach for an hour on what that means, for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Yeah. Let me give you a short definition because I can't just leave it alone of what propitiation means. It means that the wrath of God has been appeased. Yeah. It means that when you mess up, and make a mistake, God may be grieved and not pleased with you, but his wrath has been appeased. He's not angry at you when you make a mistake. That's what propitiation means. Sounds like a good friend to have, don't you think? Hmm? Watch this. Someone who is able, verse 18 says, to aid you in your moment of temptation. Anybody ever been tempted before? Does anybody struggle with temptation every day of your life? That draw away from the godly thing to do the wrong thing? Y'all ain't helping nobody tonight. I'm talking to myself. Anybody ever been tempted when you wake up? I mean, it's like the devil is there waiting on you to open your eyes and roll out of bed so he can draw you away from the thing that you're supposed to do in God. Temptation. We've been tempted. We all are tempted. I just read to you about someone who's able to bring aid in the moment that you're being tempted. He can aid you. He can help you. So let me ask you this. When is the last time you asked Him to help you in your moment of temptation? Uh-huh. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 4 is just one page over. It's on page 1674. Look at verse number 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Let me say it another way. We do have a high priest who can sympathize with our weakness but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace and I want you to understand that it's not a throne of judgment it one day will be but it's not today it's a throne of grace why that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time oh to, be, what? My Bible flipped on me. I was like, that, no, that's not the right thing. <laughs> to help, to help in the time I need. I asked you a while ago who all has been tempted. I could ask you the same thing. Who all has ever needed something? Man, yeah. who, who, who all has a need? Anybody ever had a need before? The Bible says that when you have a need, take it boldly. In other words, go with confidence that when you go to the throne of grace, he knows exactly what you need. It's a throne of... Here's what I want you to get out of that. It's a throne of grace. It's a throne of mercy. Let me say it this way. It's a throne of sympathy. Jesus is someone... Who can sympathize with you. He can identify with you. He understands what we're going through. Yes, it's like when you're talking about something in a conversation with someone. And you're, say, you're, you're telling them that you have this particular struggle in your life. And you're, you're telling them the details of it. And they say to you, I, man, you know what? I had that same struggle. Yeah. O- almost identical. Now the conversation turns and they start asking, well, what would you do about it? How, how, how'd you get watch watch this? That's called sympathy now. They can, there's a connection. They can sympathize With what you're going through, right? So when you go to God in prayer Right when you go to God in prayer, he understands what you're going through watch this you can go to God in prayer and say Lord whew, I, I've just I've just had a, a very hard day It's just been one of those days and Jesus would say, "I've had those days before." Is anybody in the house tonight? Yeah. You you can go to the Lord in prayer at the end of the day and say, "Lord, it just it was so hard today, and I just people came down hard on me, and I just I was tempted really hard on the devil. He was really getting and and Jesus Jesus would say, "I know what that's like. I I know I know what you're talking about." I can identify with what you're going through. I've been there before. Right? Man, isn't this good? If you don't catch this, I'm going to be upset with you. This is so good. The reason that it's a throne of grace is because the one that's sitting on it understands what you and I go through in our everyday life. He understands. Are y'all, y'all, I'm preaching better than y'all letting on, but that's all. right. I'm going to keep giving you a hard time here. Let me say this to somebody. You're not as bad as you think you are. Mm. Let me just record that right there and preach that to myself when I get home. You're not. You're not as bad as you think you are. The devil, doesn't, isn't that the way that he works, though? Doesn't he try to make you believe that you're worse off than everybody else? Anybody ever heard that voice before? Anybody ever heard anything like this? Boy, nobody else in this church struggles like that. Anybody anybody ever heard that? Nobody else in the church has the kinds of thoughts that I do. Nobody else has the kind of things that I've got going on in my life. Everybody else seems like they're just walking around in victory. Everybody else comes to church with a smile on their face, and he gets up there, and he talks about praise, and it just seems like everybody just walks around in victory. But let me go a step further because I know that dirty little mind or that dirty little voice of his. I can spot him and smell him from a mile away. Let me tell you what else he'll say. You shouldn't even be in the same church as those holy people. You, you, you shouldn't even go to church Sunday morning because of what you did Saturday. Those people in there, they're holy. They ain't done nothing. You're, you're worse off. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That, 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 that's what the devil tells you. And, and I just I feel like stopping on a midweek service to tell you that you don't have to try to keep weighing out the voices to figure it out. I came today as your shepherd, as the Lord leads me to identify that voice for you and tell you that if you've heard those kinds of voices, those are not the voices of Abba Father. That's the voice of the enemy. The throne is a throne of grace. It's not a throne of criticism, it's not a throne of judgment. Any voice that tells you that you shouldn't come around the church Is a voice of the enemy and you need to silence it in the name of Jesus now and stop listening to it. One day it's going to be a throne of judgment but that day is not today. It's a throne of grace and mercy. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that Jesus understands what you and I are going through. I'm telling you that Jesus really does understand your struggle better than what you think he does. He understands the hardship better than what you think he does. He understands the stronghold, the mindset, the problems, the struggles that we deal with. Our Lord and Savior, he understands it more than we think he does at times. Jesus, I'm telling you tonight, Jesus understands what it's like to live in a fallen world where there's sickness and where there's disease and where there's infirmities and and, and when when you're trying to live in a fallen world and and the whole time you're trying to love the people that God put in your path and you're trying to raise a family and you're trying to work hard and while doing all that Jesus understands all that. He understands what it's like to be doing all of that and at the same time to have a legion of demons following you around and chasing you trying to stop you from doing what God intended for you to do and I came to tell you that if you feel like the devil is on your back it's time to get him off. I'm telling you Jesus understands what you're going through Uh, and the enemy I see you and I know what he's up to. And I'm telling you that he tries to do everything. I feel like his days are numbered, by the way. He tries to do everything he can to cause the church to not ever understand this and believe this. Because I'm telling you, if you ever got a hold of this truth, you would come to him more than you do. You, you, you wouldn't feel condemned. You wouldn't have a problem coming and falling and crying and saying, God, I'm sorry. You wouldn't have a problem talking to him and saying, I've had a hard day. Now, I've, just, I've just been through the ringer today. God's been there. He knows what you're going through. He doesn't just know all things because he's omniscient. He knows all things because he's endured all things. Can y'all handle this? That's my intro. I'm not kidding. I got three points. Can I give them? It's going to be good. Watch this. He can identify with us because he became a human. But now, since he's become a human, we can identify with him. Okay, watch this. Point number one. Let me tell you three things. Because he became a carpenter, it's one of the most practical things that he's ever done. Let me show you how powerful this truth is. He became a carpenter, a builder. And there's three things out of that that he understands because of that. If that makes sense, okay. Let me just give you the points. Get out of your hair, so you can go home and ponder this, pontificate. <laughs> Jesus understands relationships. Uh, okay, all right. Let me just go back here to my handy dandy Bible, and I not not against phones and all that to have Bible apps and. 17 different languages at the tips of your finger, but I don't even mark in my Bible. Nothing wrong with a lot of you that do, and, but this is my best friend, because a personal Bible makes a personal friend. Uh, th- th- those are the people that really read out of the Bible still that said amen. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, but I do need a little bit more help than that, okay? So Matthew chapter 6, verse 3. Watch this. I've got several verses. You can try to turn there and keep up if you'd like. So good. Yeah, I just love the wordly. You know what I mean? Like I just when I could just sit right here and just talk about it. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? There's his mom, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. He's got four brothers, and are not these his sisters with an S? That's plural. So there's at least two huh. here with us. So they were offended at him. Now, the Bible just told us that he's got four brothers and at least two sisters, but it could be more. Now, think about this at an early age. They all, all of them, got along perfect, didn't they? Because everybody in the house knows that the nature of young kids is to just get along. Not at all. Wonder what the problems of the house look like. Wonder if Jesus understood what it's like for your brothers to duct tape you to the bed. Come on, somebody. huh? Jesus, hear me, Jesus understands what it's like to have your sisters and your brothers jealous of you. He understands what it's like to have your siblings bitter, maybe. To envy you, to be angry with you, to be mad or upset with you. He understands what it's like to have your siblings to misunderstand you. Yeah. Hmm? Jesus understands. Watch this. Here's something you know He understands what it's like to grow up in a family where every person had to pull their own weight. Yeah. Everybody had to do their part. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Yeah. He understood what it was like for to grow up in a family where he had to do chores. Y'all go get the teenagers and bring them down here for a minute. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Helping y'all out. Think about this. He understands what it's like as a young kid to learn not to sin. Because he never did. But he had to learn. He went to school. and He had, yeah. Don't touch that. It's hot. Hmm? He understands what it's like to be in this world as a single person, and the temptations that come along with that. Oh, someone might say, well, I know one thing he don't understand, marriage. Hmm. You might want to rethink that, because the Bible says that he's the groom, and the church is the bride. Sounds like a marriage to me, I'd go even a step further and say that Jesus understands what it's like to have his spouse cheat on him. What are you saying? I'm telling us tonight that there's nothing not one thing that you can talk to God about that he does not understand. He understands what it's like to have problems in the family. I'm not going to get to it but you remember the time you can go look this up you remember the time where, the, where they said hey Jesus your brothers and your sisters and your moms outside and he said "These are who is my mom and who is my brothers and who is my sisters you are read five chapters before that on why they even came there in the first place they said that he was out of his mind read it let me, let me put it to you where we understand he knows what it's like for his own family to call him crazy you ever been called crazy before Far too practical tonight, I know. He knows what it's like to have his closest friends leave him when he needed them the most. He knows what it's like to have friends betray him. Here's the point of number one tonight. Jesus understands relationships. He understands the problems that you and I have that, that even go on in our family that sometimes we just so often overlook and think that, some, that God is some unapproachable, transcendent God, and He is transcendent, and He is holy, and He is just, but He is very approachable, and there's nothing that you've ever gone through that He doesn't understand uh, what you're dealing with. So if you know that, when is the next time you're going to go to Him about your family problems? Here's number two. He understands work. Somebody go get them teenagers. Everybody know what work is? You go to a place and you work. You don't play. I'm just going to stomp the toast for a minute. You You don't go and play and think that you get a check. You go to work and you get a check. That's why they call it work. If it wasn't work, it wouldn't be no check. It'd just be a place of play. <laughs> but what are you saying? Think about this because Jesus understands what it's like to have to get up early, be on time, and even work late. Right? He understands. He, the Bible says that he was a carpenter. And we a lot of times only see the beautiful pictures Right, of him that's glowing and he, he's got a white robe on and he looks like an angel, right? And he's got the long Galilean brown hair and, and, and he's just got this, this beautiful picture. But, but oftentimes what's not pictured is Jesus in a pair of blue jeans, a t-shirt, and a tool belt. Because Jesus understood what it was like to lace up his boots, put on his work clothes, and go to work and put in a long, hard day of work. Everybody still with me? He was a carpenter longer than he was a preacher. He worked in the marketplace longer than he did in the ministry. He was only in ministry for three years. He didn't start ministry until the baptism in the Jordan. It only lasted three years. But by the time he was 12, he was working in the cabinet shop of his father. He knew what hard work was. He understands what it's like to come home, come home at night and be tired, be worn out. He understands what it's like, men, to have calluses on your hands. You ever thought about that? That he had blisters on his hands? That he understands what it's like that he was a laborer, but even more than just a laborer, he actually owned his own business. He understands what it's like to own a business. He understands what it's like to find good help. He understands what it's like to talk to customers that don't really know what they want. He understands what it's like to pay taxes. He understands what it's like to have the economy fall. I mean, let me, I, I, I want to wrap it in love, but we don't have a problem talking to everybody else about the economy that we live in. But when is the last time you talked to Jesus? Because he probably understands what the economy is going through better than anybody else you can talk to. Not because he's all-knowing, but because he's lived through an economy that almost fell flat. If you want to talk to somebody about gas prices, go to Jesus and talk to him. Thank you, Liam. My amen to corner tonight. Here's my point. He understands what it's like to work and to work hard. He understands that. So when are we going to start talking to him about our work? Who else is better to talk to? Listen, he's not just sitting up there watching us struggle. He's been through what we've been through. He understands your life better than you think he does. He doesn't have this cosmos in a shake globe. And just looks down every time he wants to. The greatest thing that you could ever learn about Jesus. The greatest revelation that you'll ever get. Is that the creator becomes the creation. And because he was made like his brothers and sisters. He understands what we're going through. Here's my last point. Jesus understands pain. I should preach this again Sunday morning. It's so good. It's the best one I've ever preached in my entire life. I'm just at awe that I'm not getting a better response. If I asked you tonight. If I did, I'm not. But if I did ask you, who has ever had pain? Whoa! Can't even hear myself think. I don't know. I just got that thing tonight, and I just, just. Sorry about the sugarcoat stuff. There's no none there. It'd be a hundred percent of you guys would tell me that you understand what it's like to go through pain. Can I just tell you that Jesus understands pain better than anybody in this room? And I'm not just talking about physical pain. Jesus understands emotional pain. Let me show you. Isaiah 53.3. Just a little bit more. He is despised and rejected by men. Watch this. A man of constant sorrows. Just play a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief this is talking about emotional pain two verses down Isaiah 53 5 but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities this is physical pain so emotional pain you say pastor he understands emotional pain can you just Give me just a little bit because the fact of the matter is We can talk about the physical pain real easily when it comes to Jesus But when, it, when you talk about the emotional pain What were some of the emotional pains that he went through That sometimes we just kind of overlook and miss what about, the, what about the pain that came from the surrounding of his birth hmm? When they called him illegitimate Let's bring it up to modern day terms. Can we just be real tonight? What about the rumors that got started that said his mama got pregnant before she got married? Y'all ain't helping nobody in the church. Well, 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 let's go a step further. When Joseph started to tell everybody, that's not my biological son. And they start saying, who did Mary sleep around with? Hmm? What about the emotional pain that came from that? He's ridiculed because of his hometown? There's nothing good that can come out of Nazareth. He's ridiculed because of his occupation. This is not the prophet. He's a carpenter. He's ridiculed because of his race. Because when he was crucified, they put a stamp on top of the cross, and it was meant to be derogatory that said, King of the Jews. He was ridiculed when he was born. He was ridiculed his whole life. And he was ridiculed all the way up to his last breath. If you are the Son of God, then bring yourself down. He was mocked. He was rejected. He was talked about. Anybody know what I'm talking about right here? You, you've ever been there before? Not only that. I want, you to, I want you to notice this. Not only that, but he was mocked he was mocked by the same people he helped. The same people that he went around and having compassion for and said that his heart broke because they were sheep that had no shepherd. He healed them. He raised some of them from the dead. And he I'm talking about the ones he preached to. The same people that stood out there and shouted when he preached. The amen corner. The ones that loved his words and were marveled and amazed at the words that were coming out of his mouth and said, Oh, the good shepherd, you're a wise pastor, you're a good preacher. Those people The same ones that would hail him with palm branches on Wednesday at noon saying Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest are the same very people on Friday morning that said crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And at 9 a.m. on Friday morning they got their wish. They would shout him down while he preached on Wednesday. But when he got up there before everybody on Friday they said crucify him. He knows what it's like to have people turn on them, on him. What are you saying? I'm saying that he understands the emotional pains huh, that we go through. Bring it all the way home. People that we thought we could rely on. And don't, don't think don't think too deep in this. I feel people thinking too deep in this, and you're thinking the pastor's talking about people in the church. No, I'm talking about you in your life. It's not about me. I'm talking about all of us. The people that you thought you could rely on. The people that you thought that loved you. The, the, the people that told you that they were your, what we say, they're, they're, they're your ride or die. But you find out they don't ride, they die. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Emotional pain. And we don't have to talk a lot about physical pain. We understand the physical pain that Jesus went through, but you... You know that he was beaten by three groups of people. He was first brought in in the middle of the night by the Jewish sect. The Jewish guards. The Jewish people of the temple beat him. Then they brought him before Herod and Herod told his guards to beat him. Then they brought him before Pilate and Pilate told his guards to beat him. He was beat by three different groups of people with their fists and rods. He was beat down to a pulp. They put a crown of flords on his head and blood rose down his face. They hung him on a cross until he died you understand that let me let me say that another way that's a little bit more difficult to say they murdered him and they tortured him until he died so we all have emotional pains emotional hurts physical pains so my question would be who else is there better to talk to dr. feels not better than Jesus your, your faith based counselor is not better than Jesus I'm not telling you that those people aren't important and are not additives but why don't we why don't we go to the one that understands the most because he understands and so we I mean we talk to everybody else but when will we talk to him about what we're going through when will we talk to him about our relationships that are not working out right when, when will we talk to him about our, our daily activities our work our occupation our future our hope our dreams, when we talk to him about our pain, our emotional hurts, our broken hardness, our, our vessel that's been broken, our damages in our life, when will we talk to the one that's been through it all? One last thing that I want to share about pain. In Mark chapter six, the one that we read, to start out with the people. They referred to Jesus as the son of Mary. As the what? Of who? Mary. Watch this. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the last year of Jesus' ministry. Just the last year. John records, I know it's the fourth gospel, but chronologically, he records the first and second year of Jesus' ministry. Mark... In the book of Mark, the people referred to Jesus as the son of Mary. That's the last year of his ministry. But in the first year of his ministry, John says that the people referred to him as the son of Joseph. Now, I wonder what happened. Because that's strange. I wonder what happened in the transition there. I wonder what happened to Joseph. Because consider this. When Jesus was on the cross, he only said seven things. That's it. Seven things. It's the number of completion. That's why he said it is The last. He said seven things. And one of the things that he said was he looked down and John was the only one there and he knows all things. So he knew John would last the longest. He would live longer than any other disciple. Mary was there. So he points to Mary and says to John, behold your mother. And he looks at John and he points at John and says to Mary, behold your son. And history tells us that from that day forward, Mary lived with John until the day she died. That's very strange to me. If your husband was still alive, why would you go live with another man? It's because somewhere in the transition, Joseph, his earthly father, passed away. Passed away. History would tell us that he actually passed away. What are you saying? saying? I'm saying that Jesus understands what it's like to lose somebody you're close to. That's why Isaiah 53 says that he is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. How do you have grief? It's when you lose someone that's close to you. Jesus understands what it's like to lose someone. Let me say it this way. He's in ministry and loses his father, his earthly father. He understands what it's like to try to raise a family, work in ministry and build the kingdom, and still lose someone. Let me say it it another way. Jesus understands what it's like as a son to put his arm around his mom and walk her back home After she just lost her high school sweetheart. Jesus understands what you're going through. And there's not one. There's not one. There's not one thing that you and I can talk to him about. That he don't already understand. Stand with me tonight. Claris, why don't you make your way to the front tonight? She's coming for prayer. I need a few people to help me pray with her. And I just wonder tonight, while she comes, if there's anybody else in the house. I just wonder tonight, since you're already here, (laughs) and you ain't really got anything else to do tonight, except go home and go to bed. I wonder if there's anybody else in the house that would say and agree with me that I'm just going through something in my life. And I want to come and stand in because I want the Lord to help me. Again, I talked to you about someone that can help in the time of need. And so I'm just wondering tonight, is anybody in here that would say, I've got a need. And I want the Lord to bring that aid and that help in my life and in my situation I wonder if there's anybody if that's you just come meet sister Clarice in the altar I want to pray for you tonight before we go home yes come we all have needs we all have got things that we're going through fact of the matter is a hundred percent of us in here tonight have a need and we would have something that we would say we need God to work out in our life and I just believe that the one that we've been talking about tonight has the ability. Watch this. Here's why he is the help in your time of need. Because he knows what you're going through. And he knows what you need so he can help you in your time of need. Isn't that good? Come on, somebody. Isn't that good? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for everyone. But I want you just to find someone to lay your hand on right here in the altar. Right here in the altar. Amen. Those of you out there, just, just help us pray for those of up here. Heavenly Father, thank you tonight that your word tells us that we, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but God, you, you can sympathize with us. You understand what we're going through. You know how hard it is sometimes to overcome the struggle and the addiction and the strongholds in our life. Father, you, you were tempted in all ways and you overcame. So there's nobody else better to talk to than the one that was able to overcome all of it. And so tonight, God, I just pray for those, not just the ones that have a, uh, that, that have a, 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 a temptation, but those of us tonight that just have a need, a problem, a struggle. Maybe, maybe with our kids, maybe with our, our spouses, maybe with our siblings, or our mom and dad. God, whatever the, whatever the need is. I I know that you understand tonight. I I know that you can sympathize with us. I I, I feel your presence walking the aisles of the church and in the midst of the candlestick tonight. I know that the Lord is here. Thank you for your presence. I pray that you would help us tonight. Whatever, Whatever burden we came with, I pray that those in the altar would just lay it down right now. Peter would tell us to cast all of our cares upon you for you care for us. So, God, we're not created and intended to carry a problem further than your feet. So tonight, God, I pray that we just lay them down. And, God, that you would strengthen our soul, strengthen our mind. God, strengthen our our ability to say yes to, to you and no to this world. Help us today, God. Fill our cups up and let it overrun in a midweek service. Refuel us, refire us, refresh us tonight. Just lift your hands on the altar <laughs> yeah. like you're receiving from the Lord and just let Him refresh you. Just let Him refuel you right now, family. Just let Him fill you with His presence. Let Him move in your life tonight. Sing something, Angie. Oh, how-